Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Numbers, chapter 22. The book of Numbers and chapter number 22. As we're continuing with our series of the life and ministry of Moses, we come to a historical event here that is very important, so important that it's going to lead to something that God is going to reference over and over throughout his scriptures. And we're going to lay the groundwork tonight, and then we're going to see how it ends up on Wednesday night. But we come to an important character here, a very important character by the name of Balaam. And if you don't mind, as we turn to the book of Numbers, chapter number 22, let's catch up. Now, this event that we're going to cover is going to go through Numbers 22, 23, and 24. We're going to spend our time in Numbers 22 and then kind of give a summary of Numbers 23 and 24. But we want to really get an idea of this character, this person that God mentions here by the name of Balaam. If you don't mind, take your copy of the Word of God and look with me in the book of Numbers chapter 22. Numbers chapter 22 and notice with me in verse 1. Numbers 22 and verse 1. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side of Jordan by Jericho. And Balak the son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that round about us, as an ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zephor was king of the Moabites at this time. And he sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Beor of Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I want that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and he whom thou curseth is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me, and the princes of Moab abide with Balaam. And God came to Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, he hath sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people which cometh out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Peradventure I may be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went to Balak, and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. And Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam, And said unto him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zephor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me, for I will promote thee with great honor, and will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, and curse me this people. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. 
Now, therefore, I pray that you tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men call to thee and rise up and go with them, but, ye, but yet the word which I say unto thee that thou shalt do. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went to the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in the hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her in the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards and a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in the narrow place. And there was no way to turn to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down at, under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled. And he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. And she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there a sword in my hand, for I would kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am I not thine ass, upon which thou hast written ever since I was thine this day? And I would not to do to thee. And he said, Nay. And the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and the sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto them, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to with thee. I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me, and turned from me these three times, until she turned from me, and surely now I have slain thee, and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I speak unto thee, thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. And when Balak heard that Balaam was come, he went out to meet him into the city of Moab, which is in the border of Arnon, which is in the utmost coast. And Balak said unto Balaam, Did I not earnestly send thee to call thee? Wherefore comest thou not unto me? I am not... <coughs> Excuse me. Am I not able indeed to promote thee to honor? And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I have come unto thee, and have now any power to say anything? The word put, that God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. And Balaam went up with Balak, and they went to Kirth-John-Haras. And Balak offered oxen and sheep and sent to Balaam and the princes that were with him. And it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took up Balaam and brought him up unto the high places of Baal, and then, that thence he might see the uttermost part of the people. And as we go through here, we see the main character that we've covered through here, the prophet Balaam. And with this, as we do a character study and see his life, we could see him as Balaam and with the tag that pre, uh, <coughs> preacher for sale. Balaam, preacher for sale. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again as we come to this passage of Scripture. And yet there's a lot of narrative, a lot of historical things. Help us to understand what you're getting across. Help us to understand what you're trying to teach. Let us understand what's going on historically. That we may know the mind of Christ. That we could see the importance that you have on blessing those that you've already chosen to bless. And that we would choose to be on your side and not on our side. Again, fill me with your precious spirit that you would direct my path, you would direct my thoughts, you would direct my voice and what I say and how I say it, that it could be all pleasing unto you and a help to these good folks. Again, thank you that we could trust you and that we could depend upon you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Now, as we begin to explore this narrative, this historical account of Balaam, the preacher for sale, we start off with this part here with the representatives of Balak. The representatives of Balak. Now, what has happened is that the children of Israel have been traveling. We saw this morning that they were in Edom. Remember that as you look on a map of Israel, you'll have the Jordan River that's <laughs> that separates uh, a strip of land between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River. This is what we're later going to call Israel. Now on the other side of the Jordan River to the east, there are going to be three main kingdoms. You're going to start off with Amnon, then you're going to go down to Moab, and then underneath that you have Edom. Now the children of Israel were at Edom where we had left off this morning. And now they have traveled to that middle of those three kingdoms on the on the east side of Jordan to the land called Moab. Now Balak, <laughs> Balak was the king of Moab. And they watched as this swath of people, two and a half million nomadic travelers, travel through their borders and now have parked themselves in the middle of their land. And what's more is they have heard what has happened to Egypt. They have heard what has happened to the Amorites and they're scared. They've got to do something about this. They, they saw as the Ammonites, you remember that battle where Moses had to hold the staff over his head and Aaron and Hur had to hold his hands up while Joshua was in the battle and that as long as Moses' hands were held high, the uh, Amorites were killed. Well, they had heard about the Amorites and they understood that military power was not going to wipe out these people. That they were blessed. There was something about these people. They had the hand of God upon them. So instead of turning to a physical way, let's take care of them spiritually. And so what they did is they grabbed a preacher who was in this area. And we come to the preacher of Balaam. Now Balaam, oddly enough, was a preacher of the Lord. He had a relationship with God. He was someone that was able to commune, pray, and talk with God. And they heard that this is a man who had his prayers answered. So, you go, if you have a problem, you go to the person who gets his prayers answered. So, let's go to this guy. And so, let's go to this old school preacher. And Balak is so desperate that he sends representatives, dignitaries, ambassadors with gifts to go speak to Balaam. And so if you could imagine that Balaam is a preacher like most good Bible preachers, meaning he doesn't have a lot of money. He's been trying to do what he's supposed to do and <laughs> trying to make a living with what he has, depending on the Lord, trusting. And one day, a knock on the door and well-dressed Men, representatives come. We're so glad to see you. We have a job for you. And if you would just go with us and say a prayer against some people who are bothering us, we'll pay you handsomely. Man, that sounds like a good gig. All I have to do is go with you and say a prayer and curse some people that are bothering you. And I get some money. Sounds great, but... I'm a preacher, so let me pray on this, get God's permission, and let's see how things go. And so if you don't mind, let's pick it up as we could see this in Numbers chapter number 22. Numbers and chapter number 22. And they came and they talked to Balaam. Um, <laughs> and notice with me in... Verse number 7. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with rewards of divination. So this is basically payment for him to curse the people. Uh, that's what this uh, rewards of divination is. They came ready to pay him in their hand. And they came to Balaam and spake to him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, lodge here tonight. So guys, stay here tonight. I will bring word again as the Lord speak to me and the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. So, all right, you take some time here. I'll be back. I'm going to go talk to God. I'll come back with your answer. Now, his mind is going to come back and say, all right, go ahead, guys, let's go. But that's not what the conversation that unfolded. Notice with me in verse number nine. And God came to Balaam and said, what men are these with thee? 
Now with that, this is a rhetorical question. You know what a rhetorical question is. It's kind of like a question that your parents ask you that they're not expecting answer because they already know the answer. Like, what are you thinking? Why did you do this? They're not expecting an answer necessarily. What, who are you with? You could tell by these people that they don't believe God. They're in it for themselves. Why are you even entertaining these guys? Let's imagine that someone came in here tonight. And someone who didn't believe the Bible. And they marched straight up here. And said, preacher... We hear you're doing a good job. And so what we want you to do is we don't want you to talk about Christ anymore. We just want you to say good things. You could say God, but don't use the word Christ. And you go ahead and do your job and we'll go ahead and give you a platform. We'll take care of you. Uh, we'll f financially support the church and the ministry. You know, I shouldn't even entertain. I shouldn't say, hey, you know what? Let me pray about this. I no, get out of here. Mind your own business. We're fine here. But the fact that Balaam had entertained this, he was already on bad ground. You know why he was entertaining it? He wanted the money. If I could get away with this. Now God's speaking to him and it's not the answer he wanted. And Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zephor, the king of Moab, sent, had sent unto me saying, Behold, there's a people that come out of Egypt and tell them about what the job is. Verse number 12. And God said to Balaam, Thou shall not go with them. Hold your place here. Underline this phrase. Because this is what you have to go back to for the rest of the chapter. Notice what he said. Thou shall not go with them. You understand that God is never cryptic. God doesn't give us little silly codes and tell us to look at the third word of every other page. God is very clear, and you can't get clearer than this. Don't go with them. That's pretty clear. Don't go with them. And may I tell you that God doesn't change his mind. If it's evil for Balaam to go with them today... In a couple weeks, it's also going to be evil for Balaam to go with him. Okay, keep that in mind because that's going to answer a question that we're going to have that always comes up when someone reads this passage. Notice if you don't mind. So he said, do thou shall not go with them. Thou shall not curse this people. Why? For they are blessed. By the way, we're going to see this all throughout this story too. That you cannot curse what God has already blessed. You cannot. And by the way, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible calls you a blessed people. You have God's blessing upon you. And that you cannot be cursed. You can't be cursed to hell because of it. You can't be cursed to die because of it with the idea of being separated from God. God is very clear. You can't curse them for they're blessed. So Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes, Now, when you get here, you, you understand we see this in black and white. But the inflection that he has on here leaves an open door for the people to come back. Sorry guys, get you to your land. For the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And he's saying it in kind of a way that says, well, they're kind of getting the idea that, hey, he wants a bigger price. That's what they're getting from it, is that this is a job, he wants more money. Sure, I can't do it right now, I'm sorry, it's not something I'm able to do. And this is what they report back to him. It wasn't a flat no, it wasn't a shut the door in their face and, and tell him, don't you come back to this door. I mean, if he did that, they would report back and say, oh, he said no, and there was no open door. But he said it in such a way that he was hopeful that maybe this can still work out a little bit later. So they go back and they report to Balak that this is what he said. He said no. And Balak said, listen, you send someone else. So they go ahead and they send more prestigious ambassadors. They send more of them in number. More of them in quality. And they come back with a message that says, hey, you name your price. You name your terms. 
And we will be glad. So can you imagine? Balaam, he's probably not enjoying himself. They leave. He watches them go. And Why do I always have to be so poor? It was a big opportunity. He's upset. A couple days, weeks later. And now people in better clothes. And more of them show up. Hey, we're back from Balak. And uh, we just have a message that you name your price. Whatever you want, we'll be glad to give. We just got to get rid of these people. and we, we know that we can't do it through our army. We're scared. We need your help. So verse number 18. Now, the correct response, especially after the first night when God says, why do you have these people in here? Would be to shut their door and not even entertain them. But we see Balaam's heart. He wants the money. He wants the finances. And so... Verse 18, and Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, if Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now therefore, I pray you, tarry here this night that I may know what the Lord will say unto me. Notice this next word, more. So he says, sorry guys, I can't do anything beyond what God tells me to do. But if you stay here, I'll go talk to God again. And maybe God changed his mind. So you guys stay here. This is what he's saying. Maybe God changed his mind. Maybe I couldn't go with him the first time. Maybe God will let me to go with him the second time. Now at this stage, does Balaam want to go? And when someone really wants to do something, you know what happens? They end up doing it. Once you've already determined that this is God's will for my life, you're going to do it. As long as you're determined this is what I want, you're going to do it. There's the old adage that is true forever and ever. People will do what they want to do. If people wanted to go to church, you know what they would do? No matter what the restrictions would be, they'd go to church. If people wanted to go tell people about the Lord, you know what they would do? Go tell people about the Lord. If people wanted to skip church to go watch Green Bay Packers play the Bears for the 120th time, you know what they would do? They would do that. People do what they want to do. And at this time, Balaam is saying, second chance. How can I get this to work? How can God work this out? And so he goes and prays. He's excited. Okay, God, maybe we could change this. Verse number 19. Now, therefore, I pray that stay here. And he goes to talk to God. Verse 20. And God came to Balaam at night and said to them, If the men call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word that I shall say unto thee, thou shalt do. Balaam, boom, he saddled up his ass and he's ready to go. You say, wait a second. God just said... To go. Well, is there ever a case in practical human human society where someone will say, sure, go ahead, and they don't mean it? I had a conversation with my son the other day, and I said, let me tell you something about marriage, okay? When your wife looks at you and says, fine, just do whatever you want, it's a trap, It's a semblance of choice and free will, but it is not. If you choose the wrong thing, you're going to pay for it. I mean, does that ever happen where someone says, go ahead and do whatever you want, but the answer is, no, don't do it? This is what happened here. God had already given a clear command, don't go. But Balaam was determined to do it. He was already thinking of how he can manipulate and scheme and go anyways. And God, just go. You understand that God's a perfect gentleman. If you've determined you're going to do something in your life, go ahead. Now, that doesn't erase consequences. There's always consequences. Go ahead, do whatever you want. Someone said that the Christian life or life in general is like a buffet line. You could take whatever you want, but there's a cash register at the end. You do whatever you want in your life, but there's going to be a payday someday. 
Fine, Balaam, go ahead and go. That's what you want. Go ahead. Oh, all he heard was God said yes. Woohoo! He saddles up. He probably didn't even. Guys, let's go. And he grabbed him. Notice the next verse. He just rose up in the morning, saddled his ass, and went with the prince. Let's go, guys. And they took off. It's almost like the idea of a teenager. It just, in my mind, has nothing to do with the message. But, you know, a teenager, if you say, if they come up to you and say, can I borrow the car? And you say no, their next answer is, why? But if you say yes, the keys are gone and the car's out of the driveway, squealing out before you finish saying yes, it's already gone, right? Balaam, he didn't wait around for God to change his mind or to get... He said, yes, Jerome, he's gone. He's happy. But God is not happy. Verse number 22. As we see the representatives of Balak, now we could see this. Balaam determined to go against God's will. Balaam determined to go against God's will. So he's already talked to God. God said, finally, go, go. But that was the wrong answer. How do we know that was the wrong answer? How do you know that's just not the preacher saying something? Verse 22. And God's anger was kindled because he went. Now again, you said, but, but God said he could go. Yes. And there are times that people will say, go ahead and do what you want. And that's the wrong answer. Okay. God, go ahead and do whatever you want. Now, this is where we go back to the clear command before. God said, thou shall not go. God did not change his mind, but Balaam was determined to do what he wanted to anyways. You're going to do it anyways. Go ahead and go. Do what you want to. But God was not happy. And so God really wanted to get across that he was not happy. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now, this goes back to James 4.4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever is a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You say, how does this work? God had a good and perfect will for his people Israel, correct? Balaam wanted to go against that will, and so that put him sideways with God. It put him in a place where they were working against each other, and that's enmity. They're not going the same direction. They have different goals. Balaam had a goal, and his goal that he wanted to earn the money and get the money... And in order to do that, he was going to have to curse a people that God had blessed. Now, he's on his way, and while he's going, why is he going? He's going there to work against God's plan. And so God is standing before him in his way as an adversary. They're enemies. Here's a preacher who knew how to talk with God. A preacher who knew how to get his prayers answered. A preacher who was able to communicate with God. And yet, for the love of money, because he was a hireling, because he was tired of living the poor state that he was in before and had an opportunity to make some money, he sold himself out to someone else. And it was going to put him in a path against God. And so here he is, he has two servants, he's riding in a donkey, and they're heading out. And verse 23, and the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. By the way, you don't blame the donkey here. If the donkey is riding and sees an angel of the Lord with a sword in his hand ready to go, the donkey's not going any further. It has enough sense, nope, this is not the right way. And so it turns out from the road they're in and goes into a field. Now, Balaam's not happy with this. You can imagine him kind of stirring. Come on, what are you doing? Finally, he gets mad. And uh, he's upset. Um, Verse number uh, 24. But the angel, um, uh, 23, and the... 
ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and the sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her in the way. He gets mad. He starts beating on that donkey. What are you doing, you stupid thing? Come on. And the donkey, there's no way the donkey is going back that way. And it's taking the abuse. And here it carries the idea in the context. He's beating her. Just abusing her. And so, verse 24, But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, and the wall being on this side, and the wall on this side. So here the donkey turned off the path, goes into the vineyard, and as it goes to the vineyard, there's walls going on either side, and then here's the angel of the Lord standing in the way, there's walls on either side, and he's stuck. <laughs> and when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall, and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. He's upset, or... The donkey's like, I don't know what to do. And so she veers off, crushes his leg. He gets mad, beating her again. You stupid donkey. I'm trying to make some money. Why are you acting like this in front of me? Just he's upset and beating her. Why is he upset, by the way? Why is he so upset with the circumstances? Because he has his desire, not on the Lord. The Bible says in a verse that we brought up before, that God will keep us in perfect peace whose mind has stayed upon thee. Is Balaam in perfect peace? Absolutely not. Very much evidence of the flesh because he has plans and the stupid donkey breaking down on the side of the road is interrupting his plans. And he's getting upset about this. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in the narrow place and there was no way to turn right hand or the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the donkey, she just fell down. She fell down, and Balaam's anger was mad. And he takes his staff and gets off and just starts beating her. I mean, what is she going to do? I can't go anywhere. He's trying to make me go. I'm just going to lay down. So she's laying down. If you can imagine riding a donkey, and the donkey gets down, and now your legs are touching the ground, and donkey's there, not getting up. He gets mad. He takes his staff and starts hauling off and beating the donkey. Again, this anger is just a bad sign. He's in the flesh. If you just needed a reminder, that's what the flesh looks like. Anger and upset. Now, God did something amazing. He opened up the donkey's mouth. He allowed the donkey to respond. Now, again, what's going on here? Why? Well, because Balaam is not taking a hint. God said, don't go And yet he determined to go anyways. God's not happy with him. And God's got to get across to Balaam that he didn't do the right thing. And so he did a supernatural. Now again, God's nation of Israel is in the balance. Israel doesn't even know this is going on right now. But here's a preacher who's sold out and he wants some money. And if he gets his way, he's going to curse God's people. And remember, God made a promise to bring them to the promised land. You understand, this is a big spiritual war. And so God has to get Balaam's attention to say, you're determined to go, but let me tell you, if you go, you will only do what I tell you to do. You're determined to go anyways, fine. The answer is to go back and say, forget all of this, but you've given your word and you have to go, but you will not, he's trying to get across, you will not say anything you're not supposed to. So he has to do something supernatural. And he allows the donkey to start defending itself. So if you can imagine he's taking this staff and he's going to town. He's beating this stupid thing. And the donkeys just start saying, what have I done to thee that thou hast smit me these three times? Now, I don't know when the last time an animal has spoken to you. But probably your first response would be like, what just happened here? He gets in a conversation with it and starts arguing with it. I, You know... We always think about what animals are thinking about. You know, do they have thoughts and whatnot? I'm not covering this here. But if the donkey could speak, and now it's able to speak, you know what it said? Why are you beating me? I haven't done anything wrong. And Balaam answers and says, Because thou hast mocked me, and if there were a sword in my hand, I would kill thee. So here's the response. Why are you beating me? Listen here. You're making a fool of me. If I had a sword, I'd kill you right now. That's how I would respond to a talking animal when it said, what are you doing, right? (laughs) 
Okay, okay, nothing strange going on here. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am I not thy ass upon which thou wert ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? And was I ever wont to do unto thee? And he said, Nay. So this donkey says, hey, you've owned me for a long time. Have I ever mistreated you? Have I ever done anything wrong? No. Then why are you beating me now? (laughs) You can just sense that frustration. Again, he's got two servants with him. Can you imagine what this would be like? (laughs) Listening to the donkey respond and watching him just go to town and beat this thing. And the donkey's like, what are you doing? Dude, (laughs) what's going on here? (laughs) What? The things have just turned topsy-turvy on this one. (laughs) And then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. And his sword drawn in his hand. And he, that's Balaam, bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. Why? Because he saw God. This is God here. And when he saw God, he hit the deck. And said, oops, I've messed up. I messed up pretty bad. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Now, by the way, the donkey had just asked the same question. Why are you beating me? Now, God asked the question. It's a little bit different now. Why are you beating that donkey? I put that donkey there. I stood in the way. It's not the donkey's fault. Why are you taking it out on there? When you should have sensed I was doing something. That makes you think. Ever had the flat tire and you're kicking the tire and making a fool of yourself on the side of the road or in the parking lot and stupid thing, whatever else? Could it be that God allowed it to happen and he had a purpose for it? But instead, we're getting mad and beating the car, you stupid hunk of junk. And if the car could talk to you, it said, haven't I tried to treat you right? And God's saying... Why didn't you even have enough discernment to sense that I was behind this? Why don't you have enough discernment to see that I'm in control of circumstances and I'm trying to direct your path? But notice what God said about this. I went out to withstand thee. So I'm against you. Why? Because thy way is perverse before me. Now, remember, we have a lot of text here. Balaam, the last he heard is God said, go. And he missed the part where God was upset with him. You remember as teenagers where your parents told you to do something and all you heard was the yes and you didn't hear the warning behind it? They, oh, they said yes, let's go. And you went ahead and did it anyways. Well, that's all he heard. He does it in his blindness, in his discernment, in his selfishness. He doesn't sense that he's doing anything wrong. God said, yes, I can do it. And God's trying to get his attention and said, no, you are not doing right. You are not in the right place. And I'm getting your attention. You are not where you're supposed to be. Now, listen, you've given your word. You're going to determine to go. You will not do anything I haven't given you permission to do. Would you kind of hope that Balaam got the hint here? You think that Balaam was kind of now under pressure? He's got to please an employer that is technically trying to buy his services. And he's got a God that's breathing down his neck that making sure he doesn't do anything wrong. Talking about eggshells now. He's in a bad position. By the way, was it God's desire for Balaam to ever be in this position? No. Who put himself in this position? Balaam did. His actions put him in a place where he was in a no-win situation. He's either going to make these people unhappy or he's going to make God unhappy. And he's got to choose which one he wants to please more. One could give him lots of money. The other one could kill him. That's going to be a choice now. And so now he's upset. Verse number 33. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times until she had turned from me. And surely now I'd slain thee and slaved her alive. Now, that's some pretty harsh thing when God said, listen here, that donkey has more worth and is more obedient than you. I'd be better off killing you and saving her. You know, you're in a bad position when God's speaking like that. 
I'd be better off to have your car running than you continue the way you want to go. <laughs> now, Balaam, let me tell you, don't you do anything. Verse 35, and the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, go with the men, but only the word that I speak unto thee, thou shalt speak. And Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Listen here, do not do anything but what I tell you to do. This is going to be very, very important. And so now Balaam is there. He's in a rough situation. He knows that God is not happy with him, but now he has to go with him anyways. And he has to watch his tongue. He has to be careful. Which brings us to the last part, which covers the next two chapters. The blessings upon the people to be cursed. So he goes out and goes to a mountain instead of showing up at Balak's house. Balak remembers the king and whatnot, and the king has to go out to Balaam. And the king pretty much says, why are we meeting out here? Why don't you come to me? Listen, let's just, let's get this done and over with. By the way, if you're Balaam, wouldn't you want to just get this over with now? All right. All right. So Balaam brings them to a top. They oversee the children of Israel. And by the way, it is a beautiful sight, the way that God had the children of Israel camp. I'll have to show you a picture of this later. But the way that they are encamped is that it's a picture of a cross, the way that they're encamped. And as Balaam is looking down, ready to curse them, he's watching the children of Israel organized in a cross fashion, all two and a half million of them. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Of course, they wouldn't know the semblance of the cross but God likes foreshadowing, and so here's a picture. And so they're looking at the children of Israel. And Balaam says, all right, Balak, this is your chance, Balaam. You curse them. You get at them. And Balaam says, all right, I, I bless you. What? That's not what I hired you to do. Sorry, I could only do what God told me to do. All right, let's go over here and let's try it again. So they go to a different location. All right, Balaam. We hired you. We brought you all this way. We're paying your expenses. We want to pay you a lot of money for the money. Let's get rid of these people. All right, Balaam, let's go. You could see them winding up. All right, all right. I, I bless you. What? That's not what we're hiring. You're making it worse. You twice bless them. How are we going to beat them? We already know that whatever you pray for happens. If you bless people, they're blessed. If you curse them, you curse. You bless them twice. We already were going to have problems with them. Now you bless them twice. All right, we're going to do it again. You better get it right. You can imagine what pressure Balaam is under right now. Is that money really seeming worth it? He's probably saying I would have been better off if I obeyed God and just stayed at home. Because he's got a king who's not happy with him right now. And he's standing looking at God's people from a mountainside. One last time. You can imagine the sweat pouring down his face and said, no, no, it's just the desert. <laughs> looking down. All right. I've got to do it right this time. Come on. Come on. Get all of his ritual prayers out of the way, get his rosaries and rub them or whatever magical item he feels like he needs. All right, this time, I've got it. All right, these people here, this multitude, God, I want you to bless them. Nope. Three times these people are blessed. Three times. And Balak is not happy. Now Balaam is probably worried, not about the money now, that money's probably long gone. He still wants it, but he's probably thinking about his life now. Should have stayed home. Should have listened to God in the first place. I wouldn't have been in this mess. I made things a lot more complicated on me than what it should have been if I just would have obeyed in the first place. But you know, there was one more plan that Balaam had. And we'll hear about it on Wednesday. And see what he tries to do to get out of this situation. But what do we get from this? Well, first of all, 
we understand the principle. It's dangerous to be for what God is against. And it's dangerous to be against what God is for. You understand? We live in a world that is against God. And against God's things. We need to be very careful that we're standing on the Bible side. Because the world is against God. And we have to be very careful. And that covers so many things. Even with how society operates. God has principles. And people like to go against the principles that God has set up. It's dangerous to be what God is. To be for what God is against. And to be against what God is for. There's a second thing here that we need to do. Remember. And probably the most applicable to us in this room. Is that we do not need to convert God to our side. But we need to convert ourselves to his side. I don't know how many of you are guilty. Of going to the Lord in prayer and coming up with a convincing argument of why he needs to help you out. God, you need to bless me because I did this for you. You know, God gives his blessings freely. And yet, we try to get God to do what we want him to do. And there's many things he'd be glad to do for us. Because he wants to. Because he loves us. But we feel a need to strong arm God. And to twist his arm. Have you ever made the agreement? God if you do this for me. I'll serve you forever. If you do this for me. I'll pass out tracts all the rest of my life. If you do this for me. I'll give you so much money. And we try to twist God's arm. We try to convert God. Instead of just say, God, you're the boss. You tell me what to do. God knows what's best. Can you allow him to be what's in charge? Do you think God hated Balak? God or Balak, I hate you. And I don't want you to have money. So no, you don't need to go because I want you to be miserable. Was that God's intent? You know, so many people focus on the idea. We think we were talking about it this morning. God just doesn't want you to have fun. He wants you to be miserable. By the way, I felt like that. I remember calling my biblical counselor as I was growing in the Lord and say, does God just want me to live like a monk and have just bare stoic walls and just sit here and pray and read my Bible every day? Is that all he wants from me? God wants so much more for you than that. He wants you to enjoy life. And there's a lot to life to enjoy. He wants us to enjoy the life that God has given us. He doesn't want to keep us underfoot. He doesn't want to take away our fun. The world likes to promote all the things that we can't do. You know what God wants to do? He wants to show us the liberty that we have in Him. God is not holding us back. So because we know he's not holding us back, can you trust him just to tell God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do in this situation? I know what I want to do, but I'm willing to set it aside. You tell me what to do. We'd be a lot better off and not find ourselves in situations because we rushed ahead because this is what we wanted to do. And we conned ourselves. We deceived ourselves. This is God's will. And we find ourselves in a situation that God never intended us to be in. And we did it ourselves. And then we blame God. Why does God hate me and put me in this situation anyway? This stupid donkey's not cooperating with me. And he's now arguing with me. And it's not where God wanted him in the first place. And again, we could smile at Balak because it's not us. But we can learn the principles here. It is much easier to learn from other people's mistakes than have to live through your mistakes. And we're finding here, here's a man here who had a walk with God, who had God answer his prayers. He knew how to speak with God. And yet there was something he desired in his life. And he followed the desire 
to the neglect of listening to God. To the place that God, you're going to do whatever you want anyways, go ahead and do it. And all he heard was, yes, that's what I'm supposed to do. Missed the warnings. And now he's in an awful, awful situation. Again, human nature is normal. What he's went through is what many of us go through. All of us have gone through. I don't know what you're going through or what you're fixing to go through. But can you trust God? And can you take God at his word? If he says yes, yes. If he says no, no. You can get God to direct your path. He wants to direct your path. And he doesn't want you miserable. He doesn't want you to feel like God hates you. and doesn't want you to have any fun in life. He wants you to enjoy life like no other person can. He has so much more for you. But it comes in following after him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.